Oh Welcome gosh. and hello to the Gooners Podcast, Episode 7, Series, uh, I'm sorry, Season 7, Episode 6. Tonight we're chuffed to welcome an incredible talent, a wizard with the guitar, a lyrical genius. We're going to talk to Andrew Allen about his annual Christmas show, his semi-annual Rosh Hashanah show, his hit songs, All Hearts Stay Home, and how he got his start playing bar mitzvahs in Golders Green. Uh, you'll want to hear what this musical maestro has to say, so please stay tuned. For the Gooners Podcast. Once upon a time, way back when there were only 9,000 Arsenal podcasts, five young men from various backgrounds, an Irish kid with a horrible haircut, a young Jewish nerd who hadn't discovered food yet, a child from Hemel Hempstead who didn't want to be English no more, a handsome advertising magnate with impeccable judgment, and a young Mexican AC Milan fan hatched a plan to take over the world of Arsenal podcasts. But then these boys became men. Jared. Mikey. Ewan. Magic. And Andy. And the rest, my friends, is history. And now, all these years later, you tune in every so often to hear their incredible takes their football knowledge, and their sensual advice. But now, it's gone too far. You, our fans, are at long last witness to season... Seven! 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 Welcome to the Gooners Pod. <laughs> we're almost done. You're, you're you're two minutes closer to being done than you thought we would be when we started did i invite the wrong musician on this podcast i mean i this i i, I think i might have made a mistake there's also an andrew allen who's a an astronaut i'm surprised you didn't get him on <laughs> you know i mean I, i'm going for all andrews and all andrew allens this week as far as i can um, as, far as i can do it but uh this is the segment of the podcast where we generously offer our guests the opportunity to bail out um, speak now or forever hold your peace. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand firm. I'm gonna hold the line. I'm not nice. gonna fail. Not yet. I knew, I knew, you, I knew you were a real man. Um, <laughs> so it's been a while since we've had a duck breaking appearance on our pod, but I'm excited to break someone else's duck tail. Um, and and that's the last of like the little cheap videos. I have to, I have to say. Um, tonight we welcome in a man who's <laughs> very good timing, whose initials make me want to stop drinking. In fact, I'm the one that's not drinking tonight in the, in the twist of fate. Um, a chap who I had the, uh, fi finally had the pleasure of meeting in a place I definitely did not belong, a church, about a month ago. <laughs> I mean, I was walking around with a sign basically that said Jew on it, but um, he's a deputy epiter. <laughs> epiter. I'm having trouble reading my own material today. Okay, we need to get you a drink. Yes, a deputy editor of some little niche website called Ars Blog News or something like that. You can hear him on the Arscast Extra. Extra. You can even hear him right now on the Gooners Pod. If I ever would stop talking, um, I'm hearing great things about that website that you work on. It's it's an up and coming thing, huh? It's all right. Yeah, the uh, the manager's a bit of a pain in the ass, but otherwise it's uh, it's doing okay. It seems to have sort of taken on a bit of a life of its own over the course of the last. 10, 11 years now. Yeah. As for right. usual, you know, management yeah. tends to, tends to get in your way, but, uh, but well, yeah, it's uh, a huge micromanager, that, that Mangan guy. 
Yeah, he's always kind of on at me. As soon as I'm, you know, late to the office, he's sort of where's the where's the next five hundred words on Fabio Vieira or what have you. So you know. Well, and and, uh, and I've seen ever since the news dropped, everybody's been very busy. You know, like little little gerbils and hamsters getting down to down to business with the new signing, which is nice again. We'll certainly we'll certainly talk a little bit more about Vieira um, since it's been you know fifteen years or so since we've spoken about him. Um, <laughs> But uh, we, we discussed earlier today the appropriate attire for the podcast. And while I can't see, I'm assuming that you went with the with the, with the assless chaps. Yeah, the assless chaps are on. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, the camera will only go to kind of around this area, but um, maybe there'll be a private show later. And, we have uh, the we actually have the reverse cam installed in normal in our, <laughs> in our people's house. That, that's why it took so long to to invite you on the podcast because it was a little tricky. The egress and 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 uh, to, to your flat is and, and to your home is. I, I tend to save you know the, the arseless chaps for the for the Patreon stuff you know for the paying customers. I don't want to give it away for free. Um, have I ever show, have I ever shown you our Patreon? You know I need to uh, I need to show you this because you <laughs> oh, guys God. get you, you guys gave us such a good idea um, when 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 Andrew started doing the the Patreon and when Elliot started doing it and and it's been a while since we showed it on the show so. Uh, we do have a Patreon. We're still waiting for our first subscriber. Um, and, you know, I can't possibly for the life of me figure out why. Um, <laughs> let me, uh, what, oh, why can I not? Oh, here we go. Um, you tell me if you notice anything that might lead to us not being able to get uh, get subscribers. I mean, wow. What we offer for the price, I think, is 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 really special. Um, Andrew, I mean, it's, it's just, just, a th I mean, it's under a thousand dollars a month and you can, and it's the end, it's the entry level, which, where you get the ability to listen or watch the podcast and ask a question per month, uh, not, not per show. Don't get greedy. Um, I'm not interested in the lower level. I, I, I mean, the screen's too small for me to tell what's on the t-shirt, but what is on the t-shirt? The well, 10 the, grand a month. I think the t-shirt says, um, like the Gooners pod. Oh right! Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't remember. Hugely disappointing. Yeah, my, my co-founder actually, uh, you know, Andy Rhodes, who we never see on here anymore. Uh, he's the he's the, the the boy from Hemel Hempstead that doesn't want to be English no more. Um, he designed the T-shirt. So let me see if I can zoom in on that because it's really a, it, it's a work of art, and I cannot zoom in on it. Now I've screwed up this whole bit. But um, but yeah, it's 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 a great T-shirt. But for ten grand a month, you get you get your choice. Of, of me or Andy, uh, not to watch on, you get your full access, which includes late night texts of you up. Um, now, you guys don't do this. And I think it's, <laughs> we really don't. We're missing a trick here. I, mean, I, I think it's really, really lame that you guys charge people and you don't text them the score of the Arsenal games once they go final. I mean, you have a bunch of listeners who are waiting now until the Monday morning podcast to find out what happened. And it's, it's ridiculous. It, it is. Mean, let me, I'm just going to make some notes because, you know, Andrew might be doing something else rather than watching me badmouth him live. So, so we need to text, <laughs> we need to text people the results at the end of the games and better t-shirts. What, yeah, just some I mean, t-shirts? Yeah, the, well, the t-shirts you, you stole from us, but the, but the, but the texting after the game, I mean, we find that people want to know before the podcast comes out on Monday and it's just, it's, it's brutal that you guys don't do that. Um, you know, T tell me more about the you up text. Um, um how well, many I, of those I do I get to, for the 10 grand a month? Like, yeah, I tend to keep uh keep fairly late hours. 
And um, and so I'm often awake when, you know, when English listeners would be at their horniest. Um, so, so the, you know, you get a text from the real Mike from the Gooners pod, which not, you know, not someone I hired to do the job. You get that. And, and um, you know, if you're up, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, you, you might get a, a, you know, a pick. Uh, I don't, Mike, Mike for, is not going to do it for me. Not at 10 grand a month. I need, I need definite knowledge that there's going to be arseless chaps in those picks. And, well, and the, the um, you know, the 10,000 a month is for the person that, you know, would normally have paid 25, but, but because I'm, because there's really not a whole, whole lot of guarantees, they, they're, 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 you know, they're happy just to spend the 10. You get monthly signed eight by tens. Uh, here's some more late night texts that you get. Uh, you get all the things from from the other categories and a uh, and compliments. Compliments. Um, we've been Everyone needs compliments, compliments out lately to people who aren't signed up for our Patreon, and I just got to tell you, people, that's going to stop because yeah. we really need to drive more traffic to to our. You know, uh, the, these trips to London are not going to pay for themselves, so no. uh, they're they're just not. And I'm going to stop paying for them, and so they're just not going to happen. So. You're welcome, London. So enough about our Patreon. I just I just thought that it had been a while since we brought it up. And and you know, we're trying to get trying to get membership. Gooners versus cancer, that's all cool. But if you got 10 grand to spare, go to the Patreon. So do you do much on camera stuff? I mean, it isn't really that easy to find a, a ton of pictures of you online. And maybe I, I figured that when you when I saw the Photoshop in my head. No, I I've I've, <laughs> I've not done a huge amount of video. There's like one. Uh, interview weirdly me and Mikel Arteta when he was uh, at Arsenal there's a, there's an interview I did with him on YouTube under the Ask blog banner and um, that I get torn to pieces uh, by by friends you know at the end of the night they'll put that on because I just look incredibly awkward on camera and I think that basically did for me and my confidence um, so yeah I tend to stay off the stay off the camera to be fair like Andrew's not massive on on camera stuff either um, but uh yeah, I mean, you know, it's good to dabble sometimes. Who knows? Maybe I'll get a taste for it. Well, I appreciate you uh, making the exception for me. I mean, you you certainly have, you know, the the grooming that I don't, the the, the regular shaped head that I don't, and it's 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 nice to have some some balance, you know. These are the free compliments you were talking about, isn't it? Yes. You, well, I'm, I'm you know, as part of your wage packet, I'm, I've I've uh, I've given you the things that we normally put on our Patreon, but it's just just for this month. I get the feeling by the end of this hour, I'll be able to get a you up text out of you for free as well. we'll see. I, I, you can probably, you can probably <laughs> squeeze one out of me. Um, so if you've got user questions, if you're in the chat, uh, we call our, our, our listeners users because we're a full service show. Um, so for the, you know, for the literal tens of you that are in the chat, if you have anything you want to ask Andrew, put it in the chat right now, start it with a Q so that I can uh, pick it out later and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll ask Andrew some questions that are not as dumb and ridiculous as the ones that I've come up with. So um, anytime we have someone that hasn't been on our pod before, we want to try to get a little bit of background knowledge about, you know, why Arsenal, how did it start for you? And, you know, I've, I've read that it's a family thing and it was really from birth, but, but tell us a little bit about your early memories, kind of how Arsenal became your, you know, not just your football team, but your focus. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's no, no surprise. I mean, it really was a, a family thing. You know, my dad was a season ticket holder. My grandfather had a season ticket. My uncle had a season ticket, and that was from two sides of the family. So, um, yeah, it was. It, it there were no real choices when I was a young youngster. But 
I mean, it didn't take very long for me to kind of fall in love with the, the game anyway. Like I was just a massive football fan from the moment I was a kid and I was given a ball and I loved running around and playing football and, um, you know, getting to go to matches. I think the first, I don't even remember the first, but it was like 1987 or something. And I was about four. Not a bad um, time to, to kind of start. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, the first year I really sort of have proper memories was the the 1991 season when we won the, we won the league and you know I I do remember watching Anfield 89 but you know it's one of those things where you watch the highlights over and over again and you read fever pitch over and over again and you start to question what's an actual memory and what have you kind of fabricated in your mind and you know is it is it is it actually as you thought it was and all the rest of it but um people yeah, I mean, watch I, that video over and over again and fab and and somehow suddenly been 300 miles or however far away it is from where they yeah, actually I, were on that night. I, I was one of the 2000 Arsenal fans at the age of six who was there in the crowd, you know, yeah, jump, jumping around on top of people. Um, you know, I gave Mickey Thomas a little hug at the end and did oh, the mean, somersault. As, as, per, as, as you would do normally. Yeah, I mean, it was, um, but it was just this common thread throughout my childhood, you know, my brother, my dad, and my, you know, we'd all go to, to games whenever we could. And that was when, you know, you could still sort of rock up to the North Bank, pay for a ticket on the door, stand. I say stand. I mean, we were sat on the kind of crush barriers and stuff. It became a little bit more difficult the older we got. Obviously, um, you know, getting tickets to matches became a lot more uh, problematic. My dad had a season ticket, so did his best mate who didn't tend to go too often. So my brother and I would sort of like interchange and go to matches. And my uncle had a season ticket, which I would also get to use sometimes. But um, yeah, it was just this kind of common thread. But, you know, in terms of like it becoming a focus and like ending up on Arsbog and stuff, I, I had no idea. You know, I was at university. I came out of university. I had no desire to be a sports journalist or even it never even occurred to me to, to write about Arsenal. I mean, in some respects, like the whole idea of blogging about something was completely new still at that time. I mean, I was reading Andrew uh, just as I was coming out of university so I was aware of that but it was just this sort of unusual fan narrative which I found quite fascinating and there were a few other blogs around that time as well um but I just sort of fell into sports journalism uh about three years after university and through that got into conversation with Andrew and then when I was made unemployed uh Andrew kind of very kindly it was a kind of right place right time situation he was looking to set up a news site and me and this other guy that I was working with were were free because we'd been made unemployed from the job we were in and we were just like yeah we'll do it and I have stuck it out and uh yeah it's just become this big thing I mean I I always knew I was always really interested in Andrew and his story and like um how he had stuck at something and managed to take it from you know a hobby into something a bit more kind of you know mainstream become employed you know become his main form of uh you know uh, income and stuff and yeah. i thought that was just incredibly interesting um it's fascinating also... it's fascinating and and the length of time that he's been doing it i mean i spoke to a few people outside while we were in line to get into the union chapel because i i didn't have the you know the, the the special backdoor entry that i'm sure you did uh, uh well i'll tell you about that in a that's minute. the last time i'll mention backdoor entry uh by the way <laughs> um well i i, I want to hear that story but all i was going to say is i i talked to a few people who you know I was joking with them, but it really wasn't a joke that they were probably listening to Arsplog in the womb, uh, you know, because, I mean, they were now 17, 18, 19 years old. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that is that is kind listening of crazy. Listening to or having read, I guess, in the womb. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it is crazy. I mean, 
It's the it was the consistency that more than anything because I think what maybe without wanting to blow smoke up Andrew's eyes, what what sets Andrew apart is the fact that you can wake up in the morning and you know that there's going to be a thousand words there ready for you to read with your morning coffee, and I think if you become part of someone's routine, then you know you you take your status in their life to another level, really, I guess. And you know more than anything, I remember. You know, it's say eight, nine years since we did the we we did a book launch, but people were coming from all over the world to kind of just shake his hand and say thank you very much for being part of you know my everyday life, and that was you know that was eight, nine years ago, and the audience has just got bigger and bigger since then. So, but yeah, in terms of the Union Chapel, I rocked up. It was like, oh yeah, my name's on the guest list. It wasn't on the guest list. It wasn't so, I, my name was on the guest list. How was your because of Elliot? How was your name not on the guest it, list? It was it was super embarrassing. Then I was doing that kind of like. <laughs> Not wanting to say you came like, in through well, the front door. I came very much through the front door with it, without a ticket, much, and and they and they were like, and then had to argue with people at the front until I was allowed in, which was really. See, really this is awkward. one of the bad things about you not being on camera that often. Is you know, yeah, you yeah. would have rocked in the front door, and people would have like carried you to your seat, basically. Oh, I wouldn't go that far, Mike. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, that that was quite funny. I te I texted that. Well, I, I didn't want to text Andrew because I knew he'd be a little bit like nervous because he's just about to go on stage. I was like, you know, oh, by the way, you know, can I can I come in? Uh, but I managed to manage to wangle it. I sat right at the back. Um, wow, I, well, I had you know, no idea. It was good. It was a good view. It was a good view from the back. Oh no, I mean, there, really there, there's no bad view in that in in that in that place. And and we're gonna I'm gonna spend a lot of time talking about that show with Andrew tomorrow uh, on on our on our podcast. And I have some videos that. Uh, he may have, I think he's seen some of them of, of kind of interviews I did outside the, oh, nice. the, uh, you know, the, the man on the street type interviews to get a sense of what people are up to. I'll play one or two of them tonight and, and then uh, save the rest for tomorrow. But, uh, but you've answered my next question, which is, you know, I, some of the greatest, best guests that I enjoy on this podcast are journalists. Uh, I mean, we've had almost all of the top name journalists on the podcast. And the reason is because, I really enjoy the story of how they got into it. I mean, I I took journalism classes in high school and really kind of thought that might be a career path for me. I guess that somewhat explains why I'm back here now doing a pseudo, uh, very small hobby of, of, of journalism. It's certainly not a, a full-time thing, but the um, my daughter's uh, in school to be a journalist. So, you know, there's really two pathways to sports journalism and, and I could even say arsenal journalism in, in a sense. And the traditional way and and the the casual way that sometimes becomes more more than just casual and it sounds like yours yours was the latter but you certainly got a capacity for it and and uh and andrew has a an eye for talent oh well that's that's very kind of you these free compliments are just lovely i really should just pay the money shouldn't i um uh, my goal is that you're going to feel so guilty that you just fork out <laughs> the ten thousand. you can cancel after one month that's fine there's no annual um, contract I mean, yeah, I mean, it was, it was with the journalism stuff, I think having fallen into it and, and the type of role that it was, which was online and it was very much kind of Monday to Friday, nine to five. And it very much allowed me to continue being an Arsenal fan. What I found when I got to the point where I could have gone on and become like a, a proper sports journalist, let's say, you know, I had a job offer from ESPN and yeah. I wavered over it. And ultimately I, I turned it down because I was just starting out on the Ask Blog journey and I sensed there was something good there, but also I didn't want to give up 
being an Arsenal fan to go and become like a sports journalist that would end up having to spend his weekend somewhere else. Really? And that, yeah, I mean, that's, ultimately... That's, that's surprising. I mean, ESPN comes calling and you see, you, you look into the future and see that it might yeah. kind of change your user experience as an Arsenal supporter and stick with the, uh, with the, with the up-and-coming... Yeah, I mean, Arsblog was was a hobby. I only ever it was only ever a hobby. I didn't expect it to turn into kind of like something that I would necessarily make money out of. Right? It was it was something I wanted to do because I really respected Andrew and I thought the opportunity was great. And there was an amazing community already there and in place. So to be part of that was something I was like, well, you know, I I could feel myself feeling passionate about being part of that, and I one hundred percent do. You know. Doing Ask Blog is not a chore for me whatsoever. Like I wake up in the morning and I'm like, right, scan the papers. Let's see what we've got to talk about. Andrew and I will have a conversation. We'll discuss what we want to do and then we'll divvy it up and then we'll go from there. But I found myself being very, very, I can't not watch Arsenal matches, right? Like if I'm abroad, I have to find a pub. If I'm, you know, in the country, I have to either be in front of a TV or I have to watch it, you know, in the stadium live. Like I just, I can't really find a means of compromising. So the idea that I might end up kind of having to report on tennis on a Saturday when there's an Arsenal game and I can't really watch it and all of that. It so it wasn't, even, it wasn't even that like like what they call soccer net or, or the the football coverage uh, for ESPN. It was it, it was, was no it was a, it was a kind of like general sports uh, oh, okay. role. Yeah, I was going in. I think at a kind of deputy editor level on a uh, on a on a on a yeah. It was it was all online, obviously. Um, but it was yeah. I, it just for for whatever reason, at that particular moment, it wasn't quite right for me, and I don't in any way, shape, or form regret it. Even though, you know, my career has sort of diverged into two different areas. So obviously, I have Ask Blog, and then I have an actual day job, which has taken me kind of through a marketing route, and now ultimately to like a creative agency, which is great. And I'm very lucky. I have a boss who's kind of very understanding. In fact, was one of the other people who started Ask Blog News um, at the very yeah exactly. So you know, it's kind of, um, it's worked out okay. And I, you know, I, I, I just find a way to make it work, balance everything. Well, living the dream. And, and um, you know, had ESPN offered you the 14 shirt, I bet you you would have gone. But um, <laughs> If they'd offered me a hundred grand a week, I'd have gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I think we, we, we now know the range that they offered you was somewhere in between zero and a hundred grand a week. Yeah, uh, yeah. You also had a podcast for a while called Left the Left Field Pod. Uh, tell us a little bit about how that got started. Uh, looks like you, you kind of put a put a bow on that one uh, about six months or so ago. But uh, so what what yeah. happened there? I I, I have um, to admit I was not uh, wasn't aware of that until I started doing a bit of research on. Uh, yeah, it was it was a really fun project that me and a, a guy called Carl Wogan, Irish guy. I love working with Irish guys. Um, apparently, he uh, we used to work together and he approached me kind of out of the blue actually i was quite taken aback and surprised and because we'd worked together but we didn't have like a super close relationship and he's just like i've got this idea i want to do a again a general sports podcast but kind of take a slightly left field uh take on 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 what's going on on a weekly basis and we developed a, a format which was working really well and um i mean really enjoyed it i mean it was just a godsend during you know basically 18 months of the pandemic, you know, having someone else who on a weekly basis you knew you were going to talk to and it gave you kind of something to shape your free time around. And it was really, really fun. And I don't think until we 
kind of drew a line under it in January. And that was partly because Carl had a new job that was coming onto the horizon and he needed to focus that we took stock of like the, the audience that we built because, you know, it was small, but it was passionate. You know, the, the, the small number of people who were involved were, were passionate and, um, a lot of nice the messages. same names commenting on the show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Up. And you know, you you don't actually re- necessarily realize how much you kind of work your way into people's lives a little bit with podcasts. And you know, you, people don't always sort of feel the need to sort of tell you there and then in the moment. But when you're not there, they they then pipe up. And um, really enjoyed it. It was really fun. More than anything, it gave me an insight into other sports because I. You know, I'd become so involved with Arsenal, so involved with Arsblog that you can become kind of quite myopic and sort of it becomes all you ever bother or you only ever have time for that because ultimately if you start looking around and start to watch other sports, your girlfriend's going to turn around and go, fucking hell, like, you know, we're never we're never going to be together, you know, at all. So well, what that's is the problem. Do- when, it, when it's your hobby, then you 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 now have and, and this is what i suffer from in my 25 year marriage is, is the last four or five years it's been all right so you already like the sports a lot you have a very very busy day job that 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 supports us and keeps us you know keeps us happy which which she respects and now you've got this other hobby that's taking you know one two eight hours a week <laughs> like like yeah yeah like when yeah. am i gonna get to see you <laughs> So, I mean, what I did was I found a means of legitimizing it by basically framing it almost as like work. I was like, well, I've got to watch this other sport now because it's like, you know, That's why otherwise we're going to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping you're still there. Oh, did I, did oh. I cut out there for a second? Sorry. About you that. did for a moment. Yeah. So the the May trip was kind of uh, a last minute thing. I was starting to get FOMO on the on the show at the Union Chapel. I, I my daughter was going to be there, and it was the last game of the season. And of course, we were going to be celebrating top four. And I'm like, I gotta go just for the weekend. So so I I the Friday night. I'm like, the Friday night's open. If I can get a couple people, and and Andrew came for a bit. Uh, Paws came. And Elliot came. Tom can't. I mean, just we we, we got a great turnout. I'll do an event at the Tollington and that'll be like my excuse for going on this entire trip. I'll get, I'll get my daughter settled in. I'll do the charity thing. And then, you know, so I have to go. Yeah, uh, of course. But yeah. So, so um, legitimizing it is uh, it's a big, yeah. Deal. And uh, look more than anything, because Carl was a massive like U S sports fan. So whether it was NBA or baseball or, you know, NFL or what have you, like my knowledge of that was so limited. So kind of being able to, um, open my eyes a little bit to that and just basically have fun with a mate. It was just, it was good fun each week. What nobody really tells you though, is that actually you spread yourself a little bit thin across a load of sports and that suddenly you have to do some research and then suddenly it becomes a little bit more work. And then obviously, you know, you've got to dedicate one evening a week at least. And uh, it does, it does eat into you and eat into your, your time. So I think we just got to a point where we were a little bit stretched and, um, we haven't sort of necessarily drawn a line under it. I think it might come back, but just in a slightly different guise. Um, rather than weekly, it might be more kind of, you know, sporadic, but we'll see. It'd be fun to pick it up again, for sure. It'd be like the Tuesday Club, essentially, in, in yeah, both exactly. frequency and quality. That's, you know. Yeah, do it when, when you fancy take, it. When we get lazy, which is really what it is, um, you know, we, we, we just say we're just trying to act like the Tuesday Club. That's all we're doing. Um, <laughs> 
Well, when you come back, if you come back, you know, you will find that there is a massive open hole for football podcasts and, and yes. podcasts in general. It's, a, it's an underserved market with not nearly enough uh, for people to listen to. Yeah, heading into a, a pandemic when people didn't have anything to do and starting up a podcast was the most original idea that I could have. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, sometimes, uh, you know, it, it doesn't take originality. It takes it takes hard work and regularity. It, so exactly, exactly. Neither, neither of which I know anything about. Um, so speaking of research, uh, you said your, your favorite Arsenal player of all time is someone that I, I think is very well-deserving, but surprisingly, it's not Terry Henry, not Dennis Bergkamp, and not even Gervinho. Uh, do you want to reveal who, who your number one uh, is? God, I'm now I'm starting. The same person you said. Yeah, so am I. Found <laughs> um, I'm hoping it was Anders Limpa or... Well, that, that was, I think, your one. first uh, your 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 first love for Arsenal, which I always yeah. found fascinating, especially because that numb numb nuts uh, on a certain YouTube channel said uh, that he wasn't a legend right after he played in the oh, Legends God. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, was it was it Ian Wright or was it? Uh, I mean, yeah, I love it. You're asking me here. Yeah, well, no. I'm like, yeah, I've suddenly because it suddenly occurred to me because I. You know, when I flash back to my childhood, it's always like Anders Limpar, Ian Wright, Anders Limpar, Ian Wright, and you know. Anders Limpar was there just before Ian Wright, and then the two of them had this incredible, you know, season and a half or so of crossing over. And you know, for me, they were just two guys who just played with so much joy. And Wright, he was just brilliant. I mean, he came in and he just became this kind of one-man goal-scoring machine. And you know, as a kid, I was a striker, and I just loved that he played with such a. You never really knew what he was going to do. He could do everything. Um, he scored every different type of goal under the sun, and I just. I've, I love that so much. I just it's amazing. Uh, he got such a late start too at, at, at to yeah that level. I mean, he he arrived. I remember him playing with Crystal Palace. I was there eighty eight to ninety, and then I left. And then I pretty much when I left, I, like I I was completely dark on 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 the whole. I remember them starting to talk about a Premier League. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So sure. like I I missed the whole early nineties and late nineties, and and Ian Wright. Just, I, I, it's one of my biggest regrets is missing his career at Arsenal because it was just phenomenal. But, but the, you know, being a huge fan of Ian Wright, did, I mean, how disgusted did you feel, and and how much did you rush to Twitter to abuse Lasana Diara, Sammy Nasri, Mikel Arteta, Aaron Ramsey, and Danny Ceballos when they just they just handed them the number eight? <laughs> You, you don't know, know how heavy that number eight is, and, and uh, I mean, the funny they? thing, the funny thing with numbers, right, is that I mean, one, I'm terrible at maths, so numbers always just kind of straight over my. I don't, I don't have a kind There's of no like, maths involved with just eight. I, I mean, that's you, like you've got to count from one to eight. Come on. Um, <laughs> All right, that's fair. I, I, I don't, I, I have no relationship with numbers like numbers as far as i'm concerned are just like these things that scare me so i'm you right a giant gunner despite having beards that are similar you don't you don't meddle with the same uh but uh, ian taking the number eight i mean obviously he made the number eight his own but at the time when he joined like squad numbers weren't even a thing so like you know, it wasn't until 93, right. you know, I think when they started to introduce him and stuff and obviously he became synonymous with it and all the rest of it. But like I, I've, saw, I've seen all the discussion this week about Nketiah taking the number 14 shirt and I'm kind of like, like it's it's not like it's one to 11. You know, those those are the those are the shirt numbers you really, really want. Um, I, I'm not really kind of like one for retiring shirts or getting too sort of you know, 
fussed with other players. I mean, really ultimately, an English thing to do, is it? I mean, that's no, I guess sport thing. Yeah, I guess so. And I mean, look, if people want to take offence on behalf of some other people, I mean, I doubt Thierry Henry's lost any sleep this week about whether or not Eddie Nketiah has taken the number, you know, over from him. I mean, he he doesn't care. Um, if anything, he's probably quite pleased because I'm almost certain those two crossed paths when Henri was doing some coaching at Arsenal. Um, I actually think it's a, you know, I think it's a really nice thing. You know, you've got a homegrown player who's taken 14. You've got a homegrown player who's taken seven. You've got a homegrown player who's taken the number 10. I mean, we've, we're creating this really nice kind of academy pathway and they're they're becoming the stars of the show. I mean, I, I, I can't see why anybody would have a problem with that. Um, I think it was inten- I think it's an intentional move to have seven, ten, and fourteen from homegrown players. Yeah, I mean, timing I so. worked out in a sense. Uh, I don't know that they would have given fourteen to Nikedia had Aubameyang left a year earlier. But yeah, um, yeah, you know he's committed himself to the club. He's been here for nine years, not quite as long as the other two, not quite at the level of the other two. But I think it's a strong statement. And you know someone else could be wearing the fourteen next year. For all we know, it's not that big. Yeah. Of a deal. I mean, he could have taken the number nine. He could have taken the number 11. I mean, those are two pretty prestigious shirts as well. So, I mean, um, actually, he couldn't have taken 11, could he? Because Martinelli's just taken it. But, you know, you know what I mean. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, as for Nasri, though, yeah, I mean, Nasri was just a dick. I mean, like, it didn't matter. I loved that guy when he came in. I was like, this guy's got some skills. And and just before he left, he was a dick. Like, like. He's one of the few players, and there's one in this year's club, but in, in, in our current club. But I'm 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 trying to turn around on him. I'm trying, but like, uh, there's not a lot of guys who, while they're wearing an Arsenal shirt, I, I think are a dick. And he, I mean, that guy's that guy is still a dick, and he hasn't even played in years. Yeah, I think he may even just have retired when pretty young. I guess. I mean, he didn't really, in the end, make the best of his career because he had a hell of a lot of skill. There was a period there just before. He moved to City, where he was really on the top of his game. Yeah, you, you, you kind of you had to enjoy him, but at the same time, you kind of recognised that maybe as a personality, he might be a difficult character, not the type of person you'd necessarily want to share a, a bus never with. Never any issues week. with the national team. Oh, never God, I mean, yeah, I mean, every single club he went to. Yeah, I think he, his last season at uh, was, I think he pretty much finished off at the end of the, at the beginning of the pandemic with Anderlecht. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he got taken there, didn't he, by Vincent Company, I think. And that was a kind of last gasp at salvation of, you know, what was a once pretty decent career. But oh, well, I didn't think I'd come on and start talking about Sammy Nasri. That's definitely. Well, it's just because, you know, because they, they, had, the gall. they had the gall to give him yeah. uh, Ian Wright's number. But I'm glad, I'm glad you feel that way about the numbers. I think the vast majority of people do feel that way about the number. And anyone who's who's freaking out about that is just looking for a stick to hit the club with, I always say. I mean, they're, they're looking for things to be upset about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I think not, you it's have... It's not the seven at, at Manchester United, even. It's not the, the England captain's armband. It's, 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 it's something that one of our perhaps two or three best players, if you include Limpar, um, of all time, made famous because of how good he was but it wasn't really that famous before him it was a substitutes it's, number it's, it's, and it's, it's never been it's, worn after him by anybody it's Thierry Henry's number Thierry Henry made it his number he made a thing of it and you know that's fine I'm I'm not really a massive like fan of the idea of retiring shirts which I saw people suggesting because ultimately 
you'll always end up with one good player in each of those positions at some point. And if you start retiring shirts left, right and centre, you're going to end up with some pretty crazy numbers. And for people like me who don't know numbers, I may not be able to count up to them. So <laughs> it's going to get very expensive for parents putting the shirts numbers um, on the back of the shirts when it's up to like the thousands. So, you know, think of the, think of the parents, I say. I've seen uh, like like I've seen basketball referees whose numbers are in the hundreds because I think they have one assigned number for them. So there's and there's 30, 40 referees in the league or maybe even more. And it's just weird seeing a three digit number on somebody's back. But but if they retired numbers, you're going to end up with that at some of the clubs. So, yeah. yeah. So, you know, my favorite Arsenal player of all time, I, I often say is David Rocastle. Um, that's, you know, the stock answer. But what I, that's, I'm just too embarrassed to admit that the real answer is uh, is Callum Chambers. And as a <laughs> Callum Chambers stan, which I think is what the kids call it these days, I'm just livid that this happened. Oh, my God. There yeah. they give the 21 away. So, um, I mean, This was the big news of the day today. So tell, tell us how, how your day as writing for the blog and, and just in general goes. Because I mean, we all knew this was coming, but then it finally drops in a weird way this morning. Yeah, I mean – how did it play out? I mean, we're pretty organized these days. So I think I've joked many times before on Twitter about the, the number of draft posts that never see the light of day because we <laughs> we want to be quick off the mark when something does drop. So you don't mind spending 10 minutes writing the story. And if it never, you know, never gets published, it never gets published. But um, yeah, we're loaded up at the moment. There is a, there's a hell of a lot of stuff sitting in the draft. So um, got the Osherman uh, t- uh, tweet written. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everything's, everything's, everything's. Do you have, set up. Do you have, do you have Christian uh, Akunku? No, we didn't have. I mean, I can't, I can't reveal exactly what's in there. Because um, if I did, I would undermine. Stillman is crazy. Like he, at one point, there was like thirty drafts in there, and it was like <laughs> all these different transfers for the women's team that he'd obviously got wind of. And I was like, wow, there's a hell of a lot of comings and goings going on. Um, you <laughs> We're know, turning so, over the team every three weeks. Just- yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it, that was what it was like. And the weirdest thing was like, you know, Tim knew this stuff before anybody else did because he's effectively managing the team now over there. I think. Uh, it, it seems that way. Yeah, he walked around there. Um, I mean, I, I went to a women's game last year and 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 saw him there and he's he's like he's he's the mayor of 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 Borumwood. i mean it's incredible (laughs) he's the mayor of Borumwood. what a great title he's a lovely man as well his old tim um but yeah no it was pretty relaxed i mean mostly it's just about being online at the right time and making sure that you're able to to publish and even then it's not so bad if you happen to have to run to the post office or something because you can just publish from your phone because you've done it in advance but i mean obviously today the big thing was the fact that the club were teasing it and some real internet nerds had gathered quite quickly that they were spelling out the tweets with f a b i to the point where we were sitting there waiting and waiting and i think about five o'clock andrew and i said mm, might not happen today but and it must have been a coincidence. Obviously, it wasn't a coincidence. And and soon enough, so then it was, you know, the whole press- first initial thing. I think they ripped that off of the gerbil. I have to yeah. say, you know, they're they're it's not original. It's not funny. Uh, but uh, you know, Jerby Jerby went went with the the you know the kind of the initial thing, and I, and I think, ripped it off. I, I think you know probably people don't realize quite how much the club are keeping it on you know keeping tabs on what's going on around the the social media i mean they're very very on it they're very kind of keen to kind of get you know a vibe of what the atmosphere is like online and obviously 
uh, they know what's going on in the stadium. But um, did they? Yeah, mean, I mean, did they mean for the first official word to come from just the club shop? Was that intentional? I, I, I would imagine not. I think because I've I've heard talk that they're planning a new Arsenal website uh, at some point. And I do wonder whether they've got some kind of caching issues on the main site whereby <laughs> they press publish and stuff doesn't quite appear as it should at the same time, because I've certainly noticed like the tweets will appear live and then you go to the main site and there won't be anything there. So then you're kind of refreshing it, trying to find it. And then that makes me panic because I wonder whether I've gone too early and I freak, you know, <laughs> anyway, it's all, it's kind of this weird stuff when you sort of look at stuff as long as I have and like you, you kind of, you can see where the standards are dropping on the editorial or where they've gone up or where a new person's come in. And um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I love all that kind of weird stuff without getting the club shop actually announced the location of the parade for the, the double that we're winning this year. Oh, great. Where is it? Islington. <laughs> I hope. Shockingly it's in, uh, it's in uh, Woolwich, but uh, going back to the roots. Um well, if we do the double, I don't care where we do the bloody parade. We can we're go gonna, actually they're doing it in Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> they're doing it in the Baltimore. In, they're doing a pre-parade after uh, after the the Everton game in Baltimore next. Oh month. god, that's gonna um, be fun. So, one of my uh, highlights of the year so far has been making a, a wire-related joke about the fact that Arsenal were playing in Baltimore, and then your man from uh, the wire kind of hitting us up and calling out Arsbog for having done the she. Oh, that was, that was amazing. I, I did not expect that he, I mean, that, that was just out of the blue, right? I mean, oh, man. The guy or anything like that. Uh, I mean, just, that's my I mean, that, that, that clip is my, the one, the, there's one where he did it like, and it was 10 seconds long. And, and my friend from up the street and I, who loved that show together, I mean, we're, we're always saying that to each other, and I probably shouldn't admit that out, out loud, but like, you know, everything's like she. And uh, and there was one where it was, it, I have it on my phone. It's not, I can't play it here, but it's like 10 seconds long. And I just love that actor forever just because of that. And the fact um, that he saw that and responded to it was hilarious. Uh, yeah, I feel like I should find his name because I'm not doing him justice here, but let me. Let me uh, here now, we go. Isaiah Whitlock Jr. She. Yeah, I just put Arsblog Baltimore, and it was the first. Oh, I, I just, I just did, I just did actor she, and it says Isaiah Whitlock Jr. Yeah, <laughs> Google's pretty, uh, pretty good. Um, uh, but I hope he's in the. I hope someone finds him in the stands when that friendly takes place. I have to look for him. I do that. that he would be a great interview, uh, considering uh, he seems to have Arsenal and/or football on his radar. So, are you doing all the all the stateside friendlies this summer? Are you? Yeah, I, uh, I I I'm addicted. I go where the team goes, and uh, and and I will be. Uh, I was going to ask you because I know the last time they came over, we somehow started as a joke from Andy, but we ended up as credentialed media uh, and sitting in the room with Josh Cronkey on the on the We Care Do You Day in Denver. <laughs> uh, talk about strange stories, but the uh, but this year we're going to most likely be credentialed media again and. You know, our uh, our spot came over last time. I know yeah, James yeah. is coming over to Baltimore this time, but no, anyone else from the our squad empire coming over that you know? Don't of? think so. I think uh, Andrew's holiday plans take him to Spain at some point, uh, but I don't think he's going to make it stateside this year. I might try and go. I think there's talk of there being an Australia tour next year. My brother lives down in Melbourne, so if they happen to go down there, I might try and double up. But um, I've not I've not done any of the 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 preseason tours i kind of 
take a deep breath at the end of May and just sort of try and relax for a couple of months, really. The, the preseason tours are great, not for the actual news yeah. around the team, but for the social element of yeah. it. And, and, and I think it's worth, it's worth not just mentioning it, but covering it as well, which is kind of my goal is to get a mix between, okay, here's, here's what happened in the, in the press conferences. Cause it's also a kick for me as a pseudo journalist to be able to, yeah, yeah, of course. which, you know, as long as I don't screw it up by having my phone alarm go off in front of Unai Emery, like I did last time. But, uh, but the, you know, but then also kind of covering the fan enjoyment angle of it because it is just one constant party. The mm. game itself is the low light of the entire trip. It's, it's the befores and the afters and the interaction between the club and the fans and all that. So, you know, because James is more than likely going to be sending all of his information to the athletic, you guys need a stateside correspondent. I'm just saying, I know the guy. You've got the job. That would be happy to uh, to volunteer for that. So, uh, do they let arseless chaps into the media area? Do you think? Or... Um, if you've seen how James Benj dresses in the media area, I think they'll let just about anything in. Um, I James... wore like a, Andy makes fun of me because the, for the first one, the one in Denver, I, I I was taking it really really seriously. I did not want to stand out, and so I wore like a like practically a suit. And he was like in shorts and a short sleeve <laughs> shirt, and um, and and, I, and the second I saw James Benj, I'm like, okay, I probably overdid it a little bit. I, th I think sports journalists might be the scruffiest profession going. Like I, I'm almost certain. Like oh, well, I'll forever love James for that though, because he he showed me that like I don't need to stress about it. So the next the next city in L.A., I spent like the 20 minutes before the game just scarfing down some of the best. Um, what's that meat a brisket that I've ever had in my life. And I, and I showed up in the, nice. in the press box with, you know, with a red shirt and, and sauce all over my face. So uh, I learned very quickly uh, when it comes to that, but, <laughs> but yeah, I'll, 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 I think the assless chaps will work in Baltimore, maybe not in Florida because they don't I'm, like that kind of thing down there. I'm curious as to why Baltimore, nobody's actually kind of really uh, gone into the detail on that. I, I, I'm assuming there must be heard. like a reason for it, but um, it's a curious one for sure. It's not the most high profile destination stateside that they could have gone. Well, and, and do you think that, I mean, Eddie Nketiah essentially is. Marlowe. Marlowe, Stanf Stanfield. Yeah, yeah. Stanford, uh, yeah. I mean, it, they've got to do something with that. Idris Elba's a gooner. I mean, there's yeah. there's a lot of tie-ins. I'm not suggesting that that's why they went to Baltimore, but but now that they are, they really really need to pursue this because there's there's at least three characters that have an Arsenal tie-in now after the uh, Isaiah Whitlock. The the last time I went to the states was it uh, October 2019? I think I was in LA and I was in a restaurant and I was looking over and I was like. Is that Eddie and Ketia sitting there? And it, it, it was Marlowe. It actually was. And I was like, I was sitting there, I was thinking, it can't it can't be Eddie and Ketia. Do you that's, think he gets that a lot? Like, like, like oh, I wouldn't I'm think sure he gets, must, Do you I, think I, he I, gets, are you Eddie and Ketia? Or do you think Eddie Oh, gets, no, I don't think he gets, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can you? <laughs> I guess it depends on, it depends on where you are. I mean, if Eddie and Ketia was in LA. Yeah. Um, he might he might get that, but I don't imagine there were too many people coming up to him going, "Are you the guy who scored two goals in the Carabao Cup against Norwich?" <laughs> yeah. Are you the guy that beat that, that single handedly beat Norwich a few years ago? That was amazing. Um, but yeah, no, I mean at the time I was kind of like because Eddie was a bit on the fringes. I was like, ah, oh, can't be Eddie, you know. Also, it was like during the season. <laughs> I was in LA, but um... well, during that season he probably could have been. I mean... But then I, I did, you know, I had to ask my friend who's kind of like he's sort of. He's a bit more attuned to 
to LA Life, and he was just like, "Oh no, that is actually." Apologies to the bloke, I can't remember his actual name, but that's Marlo. Yeah, well, that's hilarious. There's always a famous person that you see when you're over there, and I'm sure he. Yeah. You know, I'm sure there were other people in the restaurant going. I mean, that was the highlight of it. Unfortunately, I was kind of hoping holding out for someone a bit more famous on that trip, but you know. <laughs> well, you know, you take what you can get. So yeah. Um, so I was going to ask you. Uh, you've already kind of let me know about the show last month that uh, that that you didn't exactly have the VIP treatment that I thought you might have. Um, but you know, I heard a rumor that the entire show was scripted, like all of the elements of it, and that you were were the were the brainchild that you wrote. The, I mean, right down to pause, forgetting to use the microphone five times. Yeah, uh, I mean, we, truth to the rumor that they just didn't. There wasn't one original word coming out of their mouth. No, I, I, I mean, not, honestly, I was slightly disappointed by the delivery of some of the lines. I have to say, they, they let didn't, themselves it didn't down. do your, 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 your penmanship justice. I mean, I'm not saying that you're the one that told me that, but I'm not gonna not say that you were the one that told me that. Either. Um, I have to say, given that it was a crossover event, I thought the guys did a really good job at kind of like allowing each other the space to be who they are on their own shows if you know what i mean because like finding the balance there was always going to be a little bit difficult and especially with 800 people staring down at you um i thought i i, I thought they did a they did a really good job and personally my direction and writing was incredible um, it was i mean you were in the back <laughs> the people didn't see this but you were in the back doing this whole thing with the, <laughs> you know with the, with the wand the magic wand and the, the magic wand. that's what the composers call it yeah the magic wand um no it was um it was a good, it was a good night and look honestly it was so nice because obviously that was the first time you and i met and um it was it was a similar situation i hadn't met elliot before hadn't met pause before um obviously james uh and and tim and andrew are obviously quite well you know i've known them quite a lot and cross paths with them a lot um but it was really i was just incredible like being part of the the, the atmosphere and, the, and then the community and and then the drinking just was a bit too much I, I was just very, very. How very many hungry. of the pubs afterward? I mean, because there was a, there was a series of there was that that first one which was a disaster. Yes, uh, the tiny that, one. Where the tiny was, one was... right around the corner where there nine hundred people went, um, and and of course no air conditioning and it was warm and and that that very quickly turned into a much much roomier, nicer place. And then there was yet another one or two after that. I think. Uh, well, yeah, I, that... I pulled the plug after the second one because we had the game the next day. I, I things are very very blurry for me there are some there are some pictures there was a really nice man who just kept telling me I had a, a lovely jacket and he was huge he was like seven foot tall and god bless you I've forgotten your name but um I just remember sort of spending the whole time <laughs> yes <laughs> um I spent the whole time just kind of staring up at the ceiling to have a conversation with him he was just so nice um and there were it was just it was just a really nice atmosphere I think you know given given the you know the team had sort of screwed up on the the monday against newcastle and that the hopes had kind of fallen apart about the idea that we might actually get champions league i wasn't quite sure what to expect i thought it might be kind of a bit low key a bit kind of you know more people might be angry or you never really know with those kind of live shows how, how vocal people want to be but it was just a sort of really sort of jolly affair i guess and uh, it needed just... something to to enjoy. I mean, that, yeah. Elliot told me earlier that week before the show, he's like, we had a lot of things planned that we decided not to go through with because of what had happened to the top four. Like, like it was supposed yeah. to be a coronation and a celebration, yeah. and it was something very much not that. But to to the credit of everybody involved, um, 
you wouldn't have known that we had just blown a massive opportunity and that we were, you know, feeling pretty negatively about the team overall by, by the attitude everyone had that evening. And that's, that's the power of, you know, social media of, of social media, people who like to have a smile and a laugh and a, and, and banter every once in a while and not just, you know, focus on the anger. And, and that's not, that's not me trying to, you know, proselytize about, about how people should be. I'm just saying in that environment, in the environment, in the, in the tolerance in the next morning, the next evening after the game, I mean, the, the, the frustration about what had happened for, I think a lot of people had already been built in. And from that yeah. point on, it was just, let's just enjoy what we have left. Yeah. I mean, it, I always think it's, a, I mean, I always find it's a privilege to be a match going fan because you always get to experience more than just the match. You know, there's the people around you, the conversations that happen before and after, and you could kind of take the edge off a bad result by just being around people. Um, you know, during the pandemic, that wasn't possible when you had to watch everything from home and you're, first port call for being annoyed was to go on Twitter and moan about it. Like it, you can kind of see where the, the microaggressions grow into something more than that. And you don't get to sort of blow off steam in a more social environment. And uh, yeah, I mean that, that night was just really people getting together and wanting to be part of something. And uh, it was, it was just, uh, I found it really heartwarming. I think Andrew was slightly blown up, blown away by it because he hadn't really left Ireland up until that point and obviously the the last couple of years have been pretty traumatic for him and um I think he kind of it was a sort of reawakening about this kind of the world is out there and you know he, I definitely think he, he got the flavor for doing some more of those events that's for sure yeah and and I know Elliot was was almost in tears the next day talking about how like yeah, really yeah, yeah. wonderful the community was and how he just, I mean, he didn't realize that there was such a community I mean he realized but but seeing it in person, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing. And look, the, the, the club, I know, were blown away by the charity efforts as oh, well. Like, you know, I have it right. firsthand. They've said to me, you know, they and, and they, they kind of they're slightly in awe of it because actually they've not been able to, to, to produce the same kind of results themselves when they've done charitable pushes, you know, and I think that was a really interesting thing to hear. And obviously, you know, I think you can only see that going from strength to strength now year on year. I mean, obviously there were certain circumstances around, you know, terrible circumstances around this war in Ukraine that kind of helped provoke the response that played out at the beginning of the year, but all the same. I mean, you know, obviously they, these guys now have rooted themselves in this charitable causes thing and uh, built that relationship with the Arsenal uh, foundation and obviously Andrew's donation to UNICEF as well. So it's yeah, just so I mean, symbiotic. It, it works well. I mean, I'm, I'm and you guys I'm, are obviously in on that as well because you, you know, you realize that by building a community, you can basically put your cap out occasionally and people, because they're part of your community will want to be part of you know, that yeah. cause. And, and, and look, I'm, I'm very rec recognizing of the fact that our platform and our audience is, is of a very, very small fraction of a fraction of their size and and I'm happy to fill in whatever s slot in the uh, fundraising hierarchy uh, that we can. So what what they're doing, the the amount they raise and the time they raise it is absolutely amazing. Um, I am and I was right even before you said this, just going to slide in about two minutes to talk about Gunners versus Cancer because uh, we have some good events coming up. Um, we're eight days now left in the bidding for the or the the ability to join 
for the 89 shirt. Have you seen this shirt that uh, that we are auctioning off or raffling off? Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's something you can only get through Gunners versus Cancer. I'm going to play about a, a, a slightly over a minute long video. If you haven't seen it, I think most of you that are in the chat have seen it. But uh, but there's eight days left to get in. We're gonna we're gonna have the drawing at the end of the month. And however many people are in it, there's about 380 entries in it so far. So if we end up with 390, if we end up with 450, that's the chance that you have to win this shirt. And all you got to do is go to GoonersVCancer.com to get it. So here's a, a look at the shirt. enough of that uh you know for the first time i'm just thinking like like who has the nicest handwriting out of the four like like i never really i mean they're all very very different the one that surprises me the least is is alan smith because he's just so he's so elegant and and like erudite and stuff oh, and, sorry i've started playing the video myself again there <laughs> i wanted to see the handwriting again i think i think alan smith's got the most elegant handwriting don't you think I it's mean, definitely like most elegant. It, it, it's you know, it's it's a it's it's kind of it's just very fancy, and that's just that's kind of how Alan is. He's just very very. Uh, I think you know, he, he glides around. He's very you know. If you'd asked me to write on it, I'd have gone all capitals as well because I think it's a sort of safe choice. You know, you can kind of I, I can control my hand more easily when I'm doing kind of block capitals than if I start trying to you know yeah, turn it into like calligraphy or something. I think Lukic um, and uh, Lukic and, and Michael Thomas went for the all caps. Yeah, I reckon Michael Thomas is probably the sim most similar to me. But I, you know, I, I, as a, I don't want to brag here, but as a as a two time handwriting champion under twelve at school, um, you know, I got I, I'm, I'm I got go the worst Alan's marks for handwriting. I, I was a maths person. I can count to eight, and um, and and so handwriting was never my thing. So. My my hope is, and I'm really on track for this right now, is to never be famous enough to to have to sign anything for anybody, <laughs> um, you know. And and I'm doing really well in that so far. Um, so. Well, look, when I've paid that ten grand a month and I'm getting those eight by ten photos, I want I, I want those signed. I'll go I'll go to handwriting school. My my signature is is basically just a, a complete scribble, because um, I also never learned how to read. But um, the uh, what was I going to say? Oh, the other thing. Are you a gamer? Are you, do you are you into the FIFA at all, or or do you not have time for that? Or would your would your partner think that we're just absolutely? Uh, do you know what I, I think? The last time away from her. <laughs> the last time I played FIFA would have been on a PlayStation Two. I think there's yeah. been a few game consoles since then. I, I mean, I, so. honestly, I don't even I, know. My, my son's the gamer in the family, but uh, but we do a uh, we do a FIFA tournament every year for Gunners versus Cancer as well. This year will be the third annual tournament, and uh, just follow Gunners v Cancer 
on Twitter all the details about how to enter. There's a there's a PlayStation version. There's a um, uh, Xbox version. There's even a, a Nintendo Wii version. Oh my uh, god! No, no, no one. There's not a Nintendo Wii. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I mean, you could you could say this stuff. I would just believe it hook, line, and sinker because I'm you know I'm completely gullible about these. Things. Well, we we accept donations for the Wii version, and then we just don't run the tournament. But um, but no, those two we do. Uh, it's like a Champions League format. It's fun. You interact with other people. There are prizes for winning. The entry fee, of course, as usual, is just a donation to the Leukemia Lymphoma Society, and you get some extra tickets for the uh, raffle later this summer. That's going to have a lot. But it's just we're constantly. You know, we raise twenty twenty five thousand dollars a year, so about twenty thousand pounds a year, and wow. I probably spend about eighteen thousand, not of that money, but of my own money, on prizes. So I'm not sure that anyone's actually, you know, I. It, that's it's, that's very impressive. I was going to say, I mean, rather than eighteen thousand on prizes is not true, by the way. That's well, you know, again, gullible. But rather than me spend the five hundred quid to buy like a PlayStation, maybe I should just give you the money from, and and you know cut out the middleman as it was. You know, I'm only going to come last in the tournament anyway. Right. You know, look, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not soliciting that donation, but uh, but I think the the that this shirt is uh, is calling your name. So. <laughs> well, anyway, nine days left for that, and uh, and and about two weeks to register for the FIFA tournament. Go to uh, Gunners V Cancer on Twitter uh, and GunnersVCancer.com for more information on that. Um, with the just a few minutes remaining, because we're running a little bit long, but we've been you know having That's such a great right. conversation. There were a couple questions from the chat, and let's see if we can uh, if we can bring them up here. Um, Fergus from the Guns and Yellow Ribbons podcast. Uh, evening, Andrew. Love your content. What's your views on ex-Arsenal players being involved in coaching like Bold was and Per currently is? Um, and and how do you feel? And do you feel he's doing a good job with the academy? Uh, I mean, look, I I think Per was a a kind of inspired choice actually for the academy, given that they had to look past the fact that one, he was still playing. Two, he had absolutely no administrative experience whatsoever. But I think both Arsene and Ivan Gazidis were very, very worried about losing Per to another club. And they were like, we've got to pin him down. And they threw a big opportunity at him. And they realised at the same time that he was going to be um, learning on the job and that he would need a lot of support. And I think initially, obviously, when they gave him the job, they were assuming that the both of them might be there a while to, to help him out as it turned out obviously huge uh you know amount of ruction off the pitch uh, and in the in the boardroom and whatnot and the guy has just had to go about doing that job despite all of that and i think now you think of the the academy and you think of him um he's had to completely reshape it remold it i think the emphasis on the the education they give the players is far outside of just creating a pathway to the first team you know, he was banging on about strong young gunners. I think he's he's completely right because he knows that like 90% of those guys aren't going to make it to the Arsenal first team. Uh, you know, 80% of them may not even make it as a professional footballer after the age of 18 as well. So, you know, that's a really forward-thinking guy that they've got in a really important position. And I think he 100% has my support. I think he's so switched on, so intelligent. Um now he's I just think, lost his two coaches, though. Yeah, he's just lost his two coaches, so he's going to have to, you know, bounce back from that and start again. I think, I think at that level now, 
especially when you make um you know those you know when he when they got uh, Kevin Betsy in Kevin Betsy was quite a you know a lot of people wanted him and I think there was probably an understanding that this guy is going to do a job here and he may well find himself moving up and into the the, the you know first team opportunities elsewhere um I don't think he'll be too shaken by that I mean ultimately there's a, a big network of people behind the guys who just happen to coach those age groups and you know lots of the guys that have the ability to to move up and and move down in and around the academy so i think they'll be able to overcome that but um you know arsenal's such a pull for people in terms of like getting more guys going back in and coaching i mean i know that george bird the the arsenal youth expert guy writes for arsenal news as well was talking about you know there, there may even be an opportunity to freddie lundberg to go back in there because actually weirdly freddie's not gone on and found a, a first team coaching opportunity for whatever reason maybe of his own choice um i you know i'm, I'm always in favor of seeing young guys i think obviously jack wilshire seems to be weighing up whether or not he wants to um play on uh, it looks as though he's going to take up some kind of coaching position at Arsenal. That's well, great. Doesn't one of our uh, first team players is working on his uh, coaching badges as well? I, I think these days what you find is that a lot of the a lot of the I mean, obviously the the current team with their average age, you know, under twenty four, they're still trying to learn how to kick a football themselves. I mean, they're so young, but like, yeah, I mean, there's the, a lot of the guys now are kind of thinking ahead. They're far better educated about what their opportunities should look like when they get to the age of 30. And, you know, Granite Jack is someone who you can 100% see being a manager um, at some point. I could definitely see, uh, you know, a couple of the, uh, I'm just going to go through the, the, the guys here. You know, I mean, Erdegaard has got manager written all over him. I heard, um, uh, Ramsdale joking about Cedric thinks he's like a Pep Guardiola type figure. Um, you could definitely see those guys going into. It. I could see maybe Kieran... as far as his playing quality is concerned, because Pep <laughs> I don't think ever really stood out on the pitch. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you know Kieran Tierney. You could definitely see being the kind of um, that the kind of number two somewhere, couldn't you? You can kind of see him being the the guy in the tracksuit screaming at everyone, um, trying to from a, trying from to... a wheelchair. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, look, I mean, I'm I'm always supportive. I mean, I I don't always necessarily go all in on the kind of you have to have the Arsenal DNA running through. Like, I mean, I think that Arsenal DNA thing is slightly. Fat. You have to understand the values of the club, but you don't necessarily have to have kind of been there for twenty years to 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 get to grips with that. You can do that quite quickly. Um, you know, as someone like Arteta obviously has. You know, he was only a player at Arsenal for what five years or so. And um, he, he clearly bought into everything and has tried to carry that on. So you're pretty confident that, I mean, you, you're, you're glowing words about Per attacker. I mean, despite losing, you, you think he's he's a guy who's indispensable in the club setup right now? It would be crazy. I mean, to he, honestly, he's, he's since Arsene went, he's been one of the, the, the key consistent parts of the entire setup. Um, he now has built up a team around him. I'd be worried if 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 he went elsewhere, to be honest, because I think a lot depends on on him. I think he's a very stable character. Um, you know, I, I genuinely think we're incredibly incredibly lucky to to have him. Uh, you know, if we lost him, I, yeah, obviously I get concerned. But at the same time. You know, we, we, we've been through several academy changes over the course of the last 10 years. You know, we've had was it Andreas Jonker, obviously, off the back of Liam Brady leaving and stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, you don't want too many ructions at that level because you can see it with other clubs. It doesn't really help 
anything you know if there's if you you need to have a level of consistency when everything else has been going crazy it's been good that the academy has at least sat under one person for a while um yeah we'll, we'll see how it goes i mean uh, I, I just think pear's a good guy well he's yeah he's undoubtedly that yeah um the uh i just saw a tweet come across from david ornstein now confirming that we've put in a bid for rafinha Wow, uh, I've seen a lot of writing, uh, you know, on Ars Blog News about Rafinha. I've, I've mm. heard a lot on, on podcasts about it. Obviously, it's a different knock when Ornstein, uh, when yeah. Ornstein puts it out there. Um, I mean, without, I, I, I mean, we've just we've we've had such a great conversation. We never even got to Rafinha or any other transfers. But uh, I mean, would would that be a move that would just absolutely blow people away if we actually snag him? Well, I think if you if you look at it in the context of everything else that's going on, you know, if you if you have Rafinha and let's assume that he comes in as a replacement for Pepe, and you have Vieira and he comes in as backup for or you know to challenge Erdegaard, and you've got Gabriel Jesus and he comes in and he's you know there with Enketia, you can start to see you know the competition at every single level and did you say Rafinha as a backup to Pepe? Did I did I mishear that? Well, I you know I'm I'm thinking like you know. I say backup to Pepe. I mean a replacement for Pepe, and if Pepe uh, goes, you know his. Okay, I, I just. Squad. I thought I misheard something. I, I and I'm not no. saying that like like taunt. Like I'm, I actually thought. No, I no, misheard. no, no. No, I mean no. Yeah, let's assume Pepe goes, which I, I'm in some way, shape, or form. He will this summer, probably. I think on loan because I think we're going to find it really difficult to to shift him, you know, on a permanent because of the wages. Um, so you, you see him and Saka offering you options on one side you've got martinelli and uh smith row on the other you, you, you start to see quality everywhere on the pitch which means that the bench is going to be full of guys it means that the second team when they go into other competitions aren't going to be so coward um so i mean i'm i'm all for it i mean i i mean rafinha is a, a, a brazil international we're talking about getting Gabriel Jesus, another Brazil international, Martinelli, a Brazil international, Gabriel, a Brazil international. There's obviously a, a Brazil, Brazilian playbook uh, that Edu's got or a black book that he's got. Um, but also, I mean, we're talking about four players for one of the favourites for the World Cup later this year. So it's no bad, it's no bad thing. And um, uh, I mean, I, I don't really know what my expectations were coming into this summer when it came to the transfer market. I thought maybe we'll get a couple of players, right? A couple of high-profile players maybe and a couple of lower key players. We seem to be kind of going balls deep, for want of a better word, on on, on getting big-name signings. I mean, the the Martinez fellow from Ajax uh, sounds like an interesting opportunity as well. The Butcher. Yeah, I, I mean, who could, how could you not love an Argentine called The Butcher? Um so we're going to be screwed when those when those uh, international windows occur, where that where 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 common ball play and and, and yeah. players are taking nineteen hour flights to get back. Home. Yeah, I mean that's not ideal. I mean, you know, I do wonder whether they're slightly off the back of what happened with the Afcon and having to lose players during that. I mean, it's not ideal, but then at the same time, Afcon wasn't supposed to be in January originally and all the rest yeah, of it. But you, you get the best players you can. You can't be diversifying yeah. amongst continental. Uh, exactly. You, know, I mean, you it, get the best players you can and you basically try and create the best possible squad with the best competition going, you know, within it. And I'm, I'm very, uh, I'm very positive. I mean, the one thing behind all of this is that, you know, a few years ago, you knew that Arsenal weren't going to spend a whole load of money. You know, there were constraints around, obviously, repayment on the stadium and the rest of it. I don't really know what the financial situation is with the Cronkies. You know, 
where's this money coming from? How are we financing it? What loans are we taking out? When's it? What are the terms of it? All of that makes me slightly nervous because as fun as it is to see, you know, someone writing blank checks and suddenly we're spending 250 million quid here and 250 million quid there, there is no such thing as a free lunch. At some point, we're going to have to somehow pay this off. And it's about how we do that and what the terms are. So, you know, there's no transparency there at the moment. All of that makes me a little bit nervous because as much as it's fun sort of playing fantasy football, which is effectively what we're doing, you know, there, there are always questions in the background. How does this, how does this work? Yeah. Um, I mean, that, and that opens another, you know, another podcast about the Cronkies and, and, and what their financial investment will be and whether they're investing this, whether they're essentially self-leveraging and going to want it back before they ultimately sell the club. And that's, yeah. I just think, you know, I honestly think that they're just making a play to get back in, into where they can count on that champions league money every single year. And yeah. if we start, if, you know, we're, we're losing, we lost 107 million last year, this year, we're going to lose a lot of money now on the books. If we spend 150 million and they're all players under five-year contracts, you know, on the books that counts as 30 million this year. Mm. Of course, you also have to add the 30 million from last year that this year is going to come. I mean, it's it, it's not in isolation. I, I, the overall bills going up, but but not by as much as you'd think. And you know, I, if we go back to making 80, 90, 100 million a year profits because we fill the stadium and we get good European and domestic TV money from from good finishes. If they take ten million of it back as a repayment of a loan each year, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Yeah, no. I mean, I I don't have a massive issue with them taking money out of the club as a, as as a loan situation at all. I mean, it's just about making sure that what we're doing is sustainable. Unless, of course, they're going to commit to some kind of you know sugar daddy status that Roman Abramovich did. And, yeah, um, and I don't know that. I don't know that. They're I don't know that they're, they're, they're not, not issuing do equity, no. uh, which is essentially a, the best way of just giving the club money that isn't even a loan. Yeah. Um, but that's a, that's a conversation for another day. I I think most people will be excited that we're just doing whatever we can to improve. The I'm, I'm, I'm 100. And look, I think if we can if we can put this squad together, it massively puts the pressure on. Mikel Arteta going into the new season because, you know, that is a squad that needs to be, you know, there aren't really excuses around it, right? You know, it's going to be a very competitive league again next season, but Mikel Arteta has to have that team bolting out of the traps from the get-go in August. Yeah. And they have to be challenging at Christmas because if they're not, he's going to be in a difficult situation. Um, I, I, I'm relatively positive off the back of what we saw last season, despite the last little bit of a collapse that we had that there's a playing style I can see there's a, a, a quality across the pitch we know where the gaps are and we just need more goals and we're obviously going that guy creates goals that guy creates goals that guy scores goals put them in the team that yeah. makes sense to me That's if, easy. if it works it should just be five or six guys all just kind of in tune with each other no you know getting that relationship where they yeah. just know where each other's going to be and and instead of you know trying to cross it in for a Tammy Abraham or Olivier Giroud type to to head the mm. ball in, we'll score some creative Man City type goals. And I think that's the plan, whether it comes to fruition or not. Yeah. Without the kind of money that Manchester City spends, we'll see. Yeah, well, I mean, look, if Barcelona are going after Rafinha and Arsenal get him first, that's good. You know, we're we're playing with the big boys there. I know that Barcelona's financial situation is is pretty dire, but we're also going after guys with Premier League experience, so we know that they've done it. 
Vieira is all the things that we've talked about. Premier League experience, guys that that aren't going to be at the end of their career by the time their contract with us is over. Yeah, Um, yeah. you know, people who who have a winning pedigree. I mean, this is just it's all everything that we've wanted. So let's 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 buckle up and, and, and hopefully enjoy the ride. I hope so. I hope and, so. And the last question, because I, I just I feel bad that we that we didn't get to if we don't get to it. Are there aspects of football from when you first supported Arsenal and started watching football that have disappeared from the sport today that you miss? Just think if if there's one, uh, if you need a minute, I I, I can think of one um, right off the top of my bat, right off the top of the bat. But I mean, I, I think I think. I mean, I don't, I, you know, I don't want to kind of go rose tinted glasses too much, but I mean, obviously back in the day, there was this level of spontaneity that used to be associated with being able to go to a football match, right? My grandfather, when he came over from Cyprus, he could pick and choose which matches he wanted to. He want, he wanted to enjoy football. So he would go to Chelsea matches, Brentford matches, you know, he'd go to Arsenal, he'd go and watch football wherever he wanted to go and watch football. And I guess, you know, even when I started going in the early '90s, you could still rock up on a on a match day and 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 be able to turn up, and it was accessible. It was cheap. You could go with your whole family. You could take kids. It wasn't like something that you did once a year and you had to book into a calendar and a diary. And I guess that will never return. I have to say that that world has passed, and I completely understand that. But I guess you know that accessibility side of things, it's going to be more and more difficult. I think to get new generations of people in because ultimately if I get a season ticket, I want to sit on that season ticket through until I die pretty much. And pass it on to your, to your kids. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, but you know, I, I don't know that I'd necessarily, let's say if I have, you know, kids, would I, would I be able to afford to take two or three of them to, to a match with me every week? Would we all be able to have season tickets as they were growing? I don't, I don't think that would probably be possible at the moment. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's really that, I mean, I don't, I think everything else, I think there's a lot of good things that are happening. I really, I love the social media side of it and the fact that it's kind of brought together a global audience because stuff like this wouldn't be happening. And I, you know, in the past ran a, ran a site called the Arsenal Collective where I, I, I loved collecting stories about how people became Arsenal fans and hearing those stories and the individual unique stories of people from around the world. And it might just be some tiny little, you know, sliding doors moment in their life and you know suddenly that was decided and and then this passion built up i i love all of that and yeah um, i mean a lot a lot of the answers it's you know it's fifa it's something like television for me it was a sliding doors moment and and i just i love i love hearing everyone's story about that because it's always something slightly different um i had a cousin whose brother brought me this shirt or i just like the color red i mean it's it's really it, it's fascinating. I never get tired of hearing the stories, which is why we usually start out with it. So for yeah, me, the yeah. thing that I miss from, from the older days is, is and, and it may be making a comeback soon, is, is the standing, the terrace. Yeah. The terraces won't be coming back, but um, I mean, that's that age of football, which is when you, you've, you've started sitting on the terrace in the North Bank. I was crushed up against it, yeah, um, yeah. 16-year-old at the time, and just it was, it was just a different way of watching football. Yeah, I think there's a different. There's definitely a different energy. Um, I think it'll be. I mean, you've you were there on the last day of the season for the uh, the Everton game. I mean, you saw the the guys behind the the goal of the clock end, the Ashburton army. We were in guys. that. You were in for, that. Well, there you go. The first for the first time, I've sat on the north bank. I've sat up, clock end upper. I've sat right behind the player benches, but I'd never sat 
clock end lower in the Ashburton Army. And we were this time. And my daughter and her friend who were there and myself and, and the guys that I was with, I had a blast the whole time. Yeah. I mean, that was the closest thing to the way it used to be that I've experienced. And they, they need more of that. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think the club are aware that there's a there's a young group of guys there who are fervent Arsenal fans and they're going to stand up even though it's seated. And no one told us to sit down. I didn't sit down yeah. the entire game. I forgot there so, was a seat there. It was, it was, it was yeah. So ultimately there's no, like, there's, there's no, there's no flares. I mean, like it's, it's, it's enthusiasm not mixed with that kind of 1970s, 1980s edge. That was a little yeah. where you felt like something could kick off at any moment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think what the club is very aware of is the fact that if people are going to stand and everybody basically does in the lower tier, they might as well do it in a safe standing environment rather than a slightly unsafe environment, which is standing where there are seats. And obviously if there are seats, then people are eligible to be slightly annoyed if they can't see, because, you know, for whatever reason, they might be small or elderly or what have you. So it definitely makes sense to, to bring it in. Um, I think they're just going to have a bit of a headache rearranging because not everyone's going to want to stand. So they're going to have to move people and all the rest of it. But, you know, that's the club will figure it out. They'll sort it out. But it'll, it'll definitely make for an interesting atmosphere because I think we took it a little bit for granted moving from Highbury to, you know, the Emirates. We just kind of moved over and everybody, the same guys just sat there and mumbled a little bit. Oh, it's not Highbury and we don't really like the new place. And what we've got now is a kind of new generation coming through who are making the Emirates the home for themselves. Um, it's not kind of got the ghosts of Highbury lingering over it. And um, yeah, I've, I've really loved the atmosphere this year and I hope it continues like that for ages. And I've just, I've just caught up on some of the chat that I've missed because I was over in the kind of saved questions area. So Gary, <laughs> I'm, Gary, I didn't, I didn't answer your question because you asked me if it was weird. I just, I got to it when I got to it. So, so that's, that's uh, I, I'm just seeing all these emails about the stadium being sold and not emails, but um, but yeah, the massive surges in the North Bank were, were were unbelievable. You just end up in a different place than you started, and and um, and and I'll tell you, Dortmund does it right. Dortmund's got that safe seating situation perfectly, exactly where it needs to be, and that is that's a place to watch a game. But 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 Andrew, I I gotta cut it off here because I'm yeah, taking yeah. the evening away from you. Um, I just the conversations flowed. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, we'll definitely have to do it again. It's been great, mate. Thank you so much. It's been, you know, it's always nice to meet someone in in the in the flesh and then get to do something like this. So, um, and there yeah, was a been lot a of flesh. There was <laughs> sometimes maybe a little too much flesh, but well, that but, was because you weren't wearing, you know, the right trousers. There were no trousers. The, well, there, yeah. <laughs> At least I had front front full chaps uh, yeah. rather than frontless chaps because no one needs to see that. I'm glad we've been able to maintain this all the way through from DMs into the into the intro. Exactly. The like, it, the it, in the industry, it's called a callback. Uh, that's, you know, that's, that's what we <laughs> professionals call it. So anyway, thanks to the chat that's uh, that's been with us. Stay tuned tomorrow night, a little bit earlier start time, 7 p.m. We're going to have Andrew Mangan, a.k.a. Ars blog on. We'll talk about Andrew Allen for an hour um and uh and, and see how that goes and then and then the following night show we'll do a recap show of the show that we did the night before and that's just how we put out content so anyway andrew uh where can we find you uh obviously you've got your twitter handle on there but if anyone's listening to this and not watching it uh, give uh us your, your socials yeah at a allen sport but it's a double a double l e n am i gonna spell it out i am gonna do it double a double l e n sport You'll find me. You'll find me. Or you just yeah. type in Andrew Allen and you'll get a lovely singer on the on, yeah, on just, the Google. Just, yeah, just put 
Andrew Arsblog, and, and and you'll get right to Andrew Allen is the first thing that comes up, right? <laughs> there'd be no other uh, combination or... or it's, it's amazing, even this far in, how many people still think that we're just one Andrew. I know Honestly. somebody that thought that until a couple of days ago. Um, yeah. I'm not going to out yeah. that person, but uh, but yeah. Different that, people. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and uh, I, you know, I suppose there are worse things to be. Um, yeah, it just people, amazes people, me. People, people can... get me confused with um, who's the guy that uh, uh, that that plays Magic Mike on the on the in the movie. <laughs> I mean, it's the stripping. Yeah, I'm, yeah, exactly. I mean, this it, it always comes back to, to nudity and flesh. But yeah, people get us confused all the time. They think we're just one person. Me and uh, I can and, see it. I forget I what that actor's it. name is now, but um, but anyway, thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us in the chat and. Um, I'm not going to play the outro video because I don't want to disturb anyone any further. So everybody have a great <laughs> night and come on, you Gooners. <laughs>